Hi, I'm Greg Rockefeller. I'm Beth Rockefeller. And I'm Mia Rockefeller, and this is Reading with the Rockefellers, a family YA book club podcast. Today we'll be discussing Glass Sword, the second book in the Red Queen series by Victoria Aveyard. So grab a copy and join us on this literary journey. They try to convince me it's for the best, but their poor excuses fall on unsympathetic ears. Kalorn and Bree quickly use every argument they've been told to say. He's dangerous, even to you. But I know better than any that Cal would never hurt me. Even when he had reason to, I feared nothing from him. He's one of them. We can't trust him. After what Maven's done to his legacy and reputation, Cal has nothing and no one but us now, even if he refuses to admit it. He is valuable, a general, a prince of Norta, and the most wanted man in the kingdom. That one gives me a pause and strikes a chord of fear deep down. If the blood-eyed man decides to use Cal as leverage against Maven, to trade him or sacrifice him, it will take all I have to stop him. All my influence, all my power, and I don't know if it will be enough. Welcome to Reading with the Rockefellers. This is Season 2, Episode 3, Glass Sword, Chapter 5. So... Little, little struggle internally here. No one's actually talking to Mary. She's just saying, she's going right. through her mind all the things they're going to say to her to dissuade her from trying to go in there and stop them from, I guess, questioning, air quotes, Cal. Yeah. I think she knows they're going to have to question him. I think she's trying to come up with ways to save his life. Right. Right. Well, I think she thinks she that doesn't once know what they're, they're going to do to him after. Yeah, that. once they're done getting all the information, what other use is he to them? They can just kill him and right. dispose of him. Right. You know, thinking that he's not even worth like a ransom anymore. You know that there's nobody back in Norda that would even pay to have him back. Right. So, so Mare, this is where Mare uh, finally does something right and keeps her mouth. Shut. <laughs> she Finally. doesn't argue. She doesn't stand and scream at them. She just goes along with it because she knows that there's no use wasting her energy. And Shade's words come back to her about pretending to be weak and pretending to be scattered and unorganized and how she could possibly find that to her advantage at times as well. Right. She She's come from the silver period where everything is all about looking strong and maintaining appearances to now the defense mechanism is to look like you don't have it together and you don't know what you're doing. So you're not a threat. Right. Look like you're not a threat. Yeah. But then she's, she's back and forth with, you know, walking this proverbial razor wire again, Mm -hmm. because she tells herself, I also don't want to seem like I'm not going to go along with their plan because then if she's not useful to them either, what are they going to do to her? her? Right. You know, so she's really thrown herself into this confliction. She's at least using some caution. You know, she's, she knows she's in kind of a precarious situation and she's going into this with that knowledge. Yeah. She watches them lead Swole Cal, Cal away. away. Yep. Let her swole cow go. Stop it. Stop it. And she asks Bree to go easy on him, but he's not even trying to hear that. Right. He gives her no indication that he heard her 
whatsoever. <laughs> Just like a big brother, huh, Mia? Yes. As a person who has two of those, yes. But she notices that he's watching them take Cal. You know, he's very focused on what he's doing right now. Their purpose is to get as much information from Cal as they can. And, you know, that's all he's focused on. And she reminds herself that he has been fighting in this war for like five years now. And so now he's free from having to fight on the behalf of the Silvers who don't care about him. Now he's found allegiance and, you know, support and others around him with the Scarlet Guard. And he's going to stay as loyal to them as he can because he's, he's still fighting a war. It's a different war and it's even still different than what Mare's doing. But, you know, he, Bree's still not able to let his guard down either. Right. And she, he's got to stay on top of things. She even says that I may be, he may be my brother. I may be his sister, but we're family, but his allegiance is clearly to the Scarlet Guard. Yeah. Right. It's, it's pretty obvious that that comes before even family obligation right now. Right. So she doesn't think that Brie or Trainee, either one and possibly even Shade would have a problem getting rid of her if she doesn't fulfill her obligations. I I think that's incredibly naive of her, but that's just me. I don't think she feels that way specifically about Shade at this point, does she? I think she trusts Shade more than Bree and Trainee. Um, If only just because he's like her, because he's also a new blood. Right. There's some extra trust there. And he was always the one that was close to that she was right. close to. Also, you got to remember, but she's been co- completely betrayed by Maven. And what was the, one of the last things that Julian told her before she now thinks Julian's dead is, "Don't trust anyone, not even me. You yeah. can't trust anyone." So anyone can betray anyone. She's got that in her in her head, I'm sure now at this point. Yep. You have to tagline of the book for a reason, right? <clears throat> Because she has literally seen practically everybody she could think of, except her family at this point, right. betray her. Right. So, but, you know, in their defense, most of those people did tell her not to trust them. Right. And I mean, she did it anyway. Kalorn hasn't betrayed her yet. That she knows of. Yeah. But Kalorn has spent a lot of time with the Scarlet Guard that she That's was true. not around him. And he went in... Stubborn like a bull, you know, who knows what he did being all eager to jump headlong into the Scarlet Guard, you know. True. So is this when, uh, after they take Swolkal away and they're heading up into Tuck, is this when she finally kind of gets a little bit of a view of what there is there? Yeah, it's still storming outside, so she can't see the whole thing. But they crest the hill after Cal's taken into the hangar, and she sees that there's quite a few more buildings than she would have Right. Expected. I think she says like two dozen more barracks or yeah. bunkers. Mm-hmm. So it's clear that this is this is built for quite a few people to right. be here. It's like a big concrete pad in between all the bunkers. It's just laid out. Yeah. 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 Clearly she, there's a bit going on here. She says... I'm developing a bad habit of underestimating others, particularly where the Scarlet Guard is concerned. Yeah. Understatement of the millennium. 
And she keeps doing it. Every time she learns something new about the Scarlet Guard, she's like, oh, well, they're oh, more than I thought. And then she learns something else. She's like, yeah. wow, I'm shocked. When you can stop being right. shocked. It's they, like it's like Harry It's like book Harry seven. Potter. It's like book six or seven, yeah, and Harry and being like, shocked oh. by stuff now. Really, he, Harry? He, like, goes into the tent at the Quidditch World Cup, and he's like, oh, I love magic. Like, Harry, it's been four years! Right. <laughs> or the, I can't believe Dumbledore didn't tell me this. Harry, Harry. Dumbledore never tells you anything. <laughs> right. How right. are you shocked by this right now? You should be like... Wow, Dumbledore told me that. I'm so surprised. It should go the other way right, right now. It's like why any of the houses other than Gryffindor show up at the end for the... It's totally pointless. Gryffindor's going to give... The house cups. Why right. does Slytherin get, get excited anymore? Yeah, he's going to give 50,000 points to Gryffindor and make right. them win every year 50, anyway. 50,000 points to Gryffindor. So. You can tell but that's we are for our a Harry, Harry Potter, Potter podcast. family. Right. <laughs> like the world needs another Harry Potter podcast. But the point is, she should have seen some. But it's, yeah. She, the Scarlet Guard is so, this island is clearly more than she would have thought, which she should have realized was going to happen. Because every time she gets in one of these miraculous new machines with the Scarlet Guard, she goes somewhere where she sees something that's like, oh, the Scarlet Guard is more than I thought it was. <laughs> that should be the tagline of this book. <laughs> the Scarlet Guard is bigger than I thought it was. Right. But she doesn't trust, she goes on a little bit of a monologue here about how she doesn't trust the Blood-Eyed Man. Of course she doesn't. The one person she doesn't trust. I don't think I trust the Blood-Eyed Man either. No. He shows up under very mysterious circumstances. He doesn't look the same as everybody else. Mm -hmm. He's very brutal right off the bat. You know, I think she's... Well, he looks like he's... um, he means business. Yeah. Yes. There's no BS with She's this guy. definitely right not to trust him at this point. I mean, There's no she's like, right not to trust anybody, but she's especially right to be extra on edge about this guy. With him, there's no like, hey, let's like discuss what we're doing. It's like, no, this is what we're doing. I make the plans. Well, he's you can tell he's in charge from the moment you, you see him. Right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, he definitely cuts an impressive figure. So then Mia, uh, uh, Mia, Mare has a little epiphany here because she's thinking about her family and the people here, Bree and Tramie, and how she hasn't met, she hasn't seen them. She thought Shade was dead. And how her enemies, like Maven and Alara, who was in her head, seem to be the ones that knows her best. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. And she's, she's right. Like they know her better than her family at Correct. this point. Correct. Maven definitely probably knows her as well as anyone. As Alara does, if Maven does. Exactly. Because anything Maven knows, Alara knows. Right. Which is freaky. Yeah. Well, and even stuff that she didn't let Maven know, Alara knows. Right. Right. Because Alara can go in there and comb around whenever she wants, basically. Yes. And if she's really careful, you just can't feel it. uh, Oh, I know. Ah. I know. It's so gross. It's Kilgrave. It is. From Jessica Jones. It is. So, she finally gets to see her family. And it's so sweet because she notices it's their bunk because they have a purple rag tied around the doorknob with silver embroidery on it. So, Gisa has made... Like their own little family flag with Mare's fake silver house color and the little 
the silver thread to represent her lightning. I thought that was so, so cute, like cute. a little welcome home present for her. And then she goes in, and the inside of the bunk is draped with red fabric everywhere because Giza is back to sewing. She's got enough use of her hand to where she can somewhat sew. do, somewhat do some sew. haphazard sewing. Yeah. So she's it's not making, the best, but. It's good enough. Yeah, she's making scarves, flags, banners. Mostly flags. Yeah, everything that she can for the Scarlet Guard. She's got to stay useful. And doesn't Mare almost turn this into a pity party because she brings up the fact that it was her fault, I believe, to herself again, that Giza can't sew the way she used to sew? She does. Oh, yeah. Instantly. She's like, that's my fault, too. But at least she's getting better. Like, she can pick up a needle again. You didn't totally ruin her life. She can still do what she loves. She's She's getting better at it. And it was her choice to do that, not yours. Exactly. She didn't have to try to rob somebody. Exactly. And also, she didn't even have to help you. She chose to help you. Right. Right. She didn't have to do make the flags and stuff either. She's choosing to do all of this, so... Yeah, Mare's Mare's narcissism is showing. Not everything is about you, Mare. (laughs) But to her, it is. Is it this point, number one, where they tell her she needs to eat? No, that's the next morning after she wakes up. There's a little bit where they have some conversation. With her dad. Well, her mom makes a big fuss over her. Sit, baby, sit. Yeah. She hasn't been called baby in forever. And, of course, the irony of her having matured leaps and bounds over the last two months and now being, <laughs> and now being comforted by her again. mom calling her baby, yeah, is definitely not lost on her. Right. thought that was kind of sweet. Everybody, like, she knows that the last time they saw her, she was out of control. Mm-hmm. She lost her control of her ability in the house. I actually like how that's written after her mom calls her baby. I haven't been called that in years. Strange that it returns now when I'm anything but a child. Yeah. I have in my notes, every party need a pooper, needs a pooper. That's why we invited Mare. <laughs> yes. It's like only Mare could turn this reunion that she never thought she'd get with her family into a giant pity party about her. I mean, I know some people in real life that could do that. Um, yeah, I think we're thinking the same person. Yeah, yeah I think we're all thinking the same person. But, uh, yeah, in this particular book, the role of the party pooper in our family will be played by Mare. Mare Barrow, yeah. Mare Barrow. And, of course, she you know, she has some conversation with the family, but she stays relatively quiet because she's afraid that if she opens her mouth and starts talking, she's going to tell them everything that happened. Right. And... She doesn't want them to be disappointed in her. She doesn't want them to worry about her. But most of all, she doesn't want them to be afraid of her. And she knows based on the last time that they saw her, they're probably a little afraid of her. Right. And they saw everything that happened in the bowl of bones when she went berserk there, too. Well, they saw what they could. They saw what they could before the cameras cut off. But enough. Yeah. So, she's afraid that they're going to look at her differently. But, I mean, this is her family. Right. And Giza, of course, which seems to be the way, is the most, acts just the most normal. Right. Compared to her mom, in a lot of ways. 
But then she has a, a, a nice little conversation. Not, I mean, sort of, not really a long conversation, but with her dad. I think he sees things because he went through, how many years was he in the war? Too many. I don't. Before I don't he, think it shows says exactly. There's a long yeah, time, right? Yeah, and then he time. finally you comes back. Then they say something about he was he was so many months away from getting out or something like that. When he was injured. When he was injured. Yeah. yeah. He was like, yeah. And he, I think it's like ten years. He's like maybe. Murtaugh from Lethal Weapon. He's like always five days away from retiring, no matter right. which movie you watch. Because Bree's been in for five years and he had just got sent home for like his first like leave, you get like a week or whatever to co- go home, and then you have to go back after five years. No, wasn't Bree coming up on his five year leave? I thought that's something what, like that. That's what Shade said in the letter, and then he right. was coming up uh, on his okay. five year leave. So yeah, Mister Barrow had to be in more than five years. So yeah, he is definitely seeing some stuff. Seeing some and stuff, and he for sees. Sure. I think maybe what Giza and their mom don't. When it comes to the way Mare looks now, he probably can see it in her eyes. Because he brings up the fact that he, too, knows what it feels like to kill someone. He can yeah. see it's weighing on Mare's conscience. Yeah. Regardless well, I mean, of what she had to do. He thinks she's asleep right? when she when he's saying it to her. I don't think he, he feels comfortable enough Wake. to say it to her while right. she's awake. Just because it seems like her family doesn't really know how to be around her right now. You know, they right. know she's gone through this whole traumatic experience. She's not talking about it. And she was she's always... not going to open up. She was always kind of the family weirdo a little bit. Yeah. And now it's just, after all of this, it's just gotten worse. And her family just doesn't know how to be around her anymore. Yeah. Right. They don't want to say anything that's going to upset her. You know, they know that the smallest thing can trigger her. Because everybody in her family is a veteran, except for her mom and Giza. Right. But I... I, so. <laughs> right. Well, I think Giza, though, doesn't treat her that way. I think she's kind of the one person. Her mom overdoes it. Right. Overdoes the lovey lovey stuff. But I think Giza kind of just treats her like Mare. Exactly. And she's really the only one in the family, other than Shade, that kind of just treats her like Mare. Right. Yeah, even Shade has this, they have this new kinship that they found right. over these abilities. So it's not like he used to treat her anymore. It's. Still treating her like a human being, yeah, but in a different way than it was when they were just because they share sister. something and know something that no one else, even if even the family knows about their ability, they still don't understand it exactly. <clears throat> but like when they were teleporting to get out of Nersi, and she Kaloran didn't get it, but she completely understood what it was like to be ability worn, mm-hmm. you used your ability so much that. You can't use it. You get it tired. Right. And you physically and that's where Shade feel was. tired. Right. Like you visit phys- it wears on you physically, yeah. not just your ability. Yeah. Cause I'm sure it's something that has to activate like every system in your body. Oh sure. You know, and then once all of that is done, you've exhausted all the energy. Sure. Right. Again, why Wonder Woman doesn't just lead with, with the arm crossing. Comic physics. <laughs> I mean, this is YA physics, so it's kind of the same thing. We're we're not dealing with much more esteemed levels of physics. So Mare wakes up the next morning. And she needs to eat. She needs to eat. (laughs) But before she opens her eyes. Have you tried eating a Snickers? Yes. Somebody give Mare a Snickers. Refer back to our last episode. Mare's hangry. She needs a Snickers. 
She wakes up, and before she even before she even opens her eyes, she hears water outside, and tells herself that if she just lays there and keeps her eyes closed long enough, she can pretend that she's back home, and it's just the river. She's lying on her cot in the stilts, and the only choice that she has to make is whether or not she's going to go to school that day. But then she thinks to herself, even if she could go back to that old life, would she want to? Her new life has a purpose. She has these abilities. She has respect of people. Right. And and now... Pal is swole. Pal is swole and hot, right. literally and figuratively. Exactly. So she's she's got things that she's got to do. You know, she's got places she's got to be. She's got new blood she has to find. And, and that's when Geese is like, hold up, girl. And also, I think another thing, <laughs> another thing about, like, uh. going back to that life is she would also go back to what she knew then. And I don't think she wants to give up some of what she knows now. Oh, sure. Absolutely. She doesn't want to give up some of the experience she's had. Right. And, and like I keep hammering on, her. the actual pride of being a red now. Right. She's never had any ability right. to be proud of anything, and she has that now. She has something she can hope for and look forward to. I think it's, yeah, it's interesting that the that's kind of a similarity yet difference between her and Farley is she, with her abilities now, is super proud to be a red, but Farley was always proud to be a red. Right. Regardless yeah. of whether she has abilities or not, it's just, she has I mean, this fierceness. We'll find out why that is, Yeah. obviously, coming up in the next couple of chapters, but... Yeah, there there was never any chance of any kind of a grand life for Mare in that old life when she right. would wake up on a cot next to the river every day. Now she's got, you know, adventures that are going to take her places that she doesn't know. She's going to meet all kinds of people. She's going to have all kinds of experiences. Right. And those are things that she never even would have imagined And Jesus is like, that's great, but slow down. You and Natalia Dyer go eat a sandwich together. Real. <laughs> Don't split the sandwich. You and Natalia, you and Natalia both, both have your own, own sandwiches. But she says, but we split a we split a Tic Tac for lunch. No, no, no splitting the Tic Tac. You get a Tic Tac. Natalia gets a Tic Tac. <laughs> then go out for ice cream sundays. For the love of God. But of course, Mare doesn't know where the mess tent is, so Giza has to show her. And Giza goes from being concerned about how Mare looks and how beaten up she is to being annoyed that she has to babysit her once again. And she's curious. Giza, make up your mind. And she's curious <laughs> about Mare's ability. She doesn't try yeah, to be... Yeah, she's the first one that's like, what does yeah. it feel like? What does it feel like to shock somebody? Yeah, nobody else in her family has the cajones to, to ask, ask yeah. the hard questions. Right. Like I said, she just treats her like she's married. She's like, I'm going to ask her. Yeah. Mayor pulls, you're my sister. Mayor pulls a uh, Brian, what's his name, from work. And is like, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Brian Moore. Oh, Brian yeah. Moore, yeah, yeah, yeah. She can't figure out. Hard to explain. Can't figure out how to explain what it is to Gisa. She wishes Julian was there because he'd have a better explanation. There's a mini rabbit hole of Mayor feeling... Sorry yeah. for herself again about Julian. But Julian is most likely dead. So Maven told me that yesterday. <laughs> Honey, if Maven now, told you something, he was lying. Lying. He even told you that he, by he, now. Right. Like he said I, everything I said. Everything was a I lie. told you was a lie. Right. But yet she's still believing him on this. But you told me you had to go to the bathroom that once and you actually went to the bathroom. But did I? <laughs> <laughs> 
But did I tell you it was a number one and it was really a number two? Ah. I thought you were in there for a long time. I was washing my hands. That was all part of my plan. (laughs) But yeah, she basically just kind of says, it feels like strength, power. That's all she really can say. Yeah, that's the only... To someone who doesn't understand what it feels like, you can't tell them. And of course, she knows they're silver words. Right. But it's the best way she could describe it. Still true. So as they're walking, the big concrete pad there that's between all the bunkers they're walking across and she notices a bunch of tall are they kind of pale is that what they said mm-hmm. yeah blonde short, blonde, hair. short hair real tall and all, they're all wearing blue yeah, all wearing blue didn't she mention that they even kind of look like farley uh, yeah but they all kind of look like farley this is hilarious to me we'll get to that in a minute <laughs> we'll get to that later and she they're she finds out that they're lakelanders yeah and they're the colonel's men. So the colonel, mm-hmm. is, colonel a lake lander. is a lake lander. Yeah. Interesting. But Gisa tells her not to look at them, not to talk to them. Like, Ooh, we so don't like, really acknowledge that yeah. they're here at right. all. Just go about your business. They do and of course, Mayor wants ours. to stop and be like, What are you doing here? Who are you? Here's, who's the colonel? Mayor? Like, Mayor, we're in public. Hold your tongue. Right, we're honey. refugees. Shut up and be happy you're alive. <laughs> but this Let's is go eat some sandwiches. Right. This is important to analyze because as a Lakelander, he is an enemy of Norda. They have been fighting a war for a century. Right. That millions of people have died over. So why are they now here with a bunch of people from another country that serve another king? Their country's all in turmoil. Like, why is this dude here? Because the Reds aren't at war. The Silvers are. The Reds are just being fed to the battles. Exactly. And she's she's not quite dawning on her yet, but I think she's starting to grasp the enormity of what the Scarlet Guard is and the Reds that are fighting back are. You guys, I may have underestimated the Scarlet Guard. Right. <gasps> no. It's like, it's just because Silvers are at war and... Forcing us to fight each other doesn't mean we're enemies. Exactly. And it doesn't mean that the Reds on the other side are happy about having Correct. to do it either. Correct. So this is obviously an alliance that has been going on. For some time. For some time that Mare has had absolutely no idea. And the Silvers don't. About. And probably most Reds don't. I would definitely imagine that. <clears throat> and she doesn't know yet. Specifically, she just heard, she found out that the Colonel is a Lakelander. But she finds out also who the colonel is. Yes. It's the blood-eyed man. Yeah. Which so, we talked about a little bit, but yeah. this is the actual reveal. We talked about reveal. the last one. This is the actual reveal here, yeah. Blood-eyed man is the colonel. Is so. the colonel. Yeah. It's just what he's, everyone calls him. And he's kind of seems to be the in-charge guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, he is. Of Tuck. He is anyway. definitely the HCIC. Yeah. The head colonel in charge. And he makes it very clear wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. 100%. He just yeah. he just has that, like, air about him. It's like, he walks into a room and everyone's like, ooh, ooh that that's guy the important needs business. Dude. The actor right. that's number one for our fan casting is going to be so good here. <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Right. So, Mare is past peak curiosity here. <laughs> she has to ask why this dude is here. 
why is the colonel here? Why is the Lakelander come? Why are all these soldiers here? Like, what is going on? And uh, Gisa tells her that after everything happened in Archeon, after all that went so south, and they lost so many guard members down in the sewers, that he, the colonel is not happy that Captain Farley failed, and he has come here to take care of it, because he does not like failure. And Mare's immediately, immediate response is, then he'll hate me. Yeah. Girl, he's going to hate you anyway. <laughs> right. I got news for you. <laughs> he does not like many people. Yeah. You're a young female in, with your own opinions. I can guarantee you this dude is not going to like you. No. He wants people that are going to fall into line, and that is not you. No. Maybe you should take a page from everybody else <laughs> that's around this dude. Right. Like, let this be the one time that you, again... Keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut. Keep your mouth shut. Follow orders. I know it's hard for you, but you gotta do it, okay? Just... Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Don't be... A 17-year-old girl for once and do what an authority figure tells yes. you to do. <laughs> yes. Listen so, to somebody with higher power than you and shut up. So does this also mean that Farley is no longer captain, I'm assuming? Yeah. Farley got her walking papers. Farley got fired. Farley got fired. Relieved of her command. Yes. Which is just a nice way to say, I fired you. Yeah. Farley, you fired. She totally messed up all of that because she listened to Mare. So this one actually kind of is Mare's fault. I mean, it's Farley's fault, too, because she had reservations about the plan from the But this the is, like, the one thing Mare doesn't actually blame herself for. And, and she should. Right. The one thing you should blame herself for. This is 100% her and Maven. She's like, he's right. Cal will choose me. Uh, Mare. <laughs> Beautiful little tropical fish. So, is this when she she's trying to find out where Cal is at this point? Yes. She's like, Gisa, I have to know where they took Cal. Where is Cal? She needs to go see figure Cal. it out. Right. Because you need to go see Cal. You need to see all the smoothness. Yeah. Well, and, and in her mind, it's still... Cal and I are going to go and find all these new bloods. I'm going to take Cal because I need yeah. him to help me. That's like, that's, that's the just way, happening. That's in her head. That's the way she's going to save Cal's life. Right. Is to say that he's necessary to go along with her. To find to these save new bloods. The, to, yeah, go find the new bloods. So that's her plan on how she's going to get Cal after this interrogation, debriefing, whatever, is over. After the mm -hmm. colonel's done with him. She's going to say, there's no way that they'll... Kill him if I say I need him to go hunt these new bloods. New bloods. So, Gisa tells her that while she was asleep, they talked a little bit about Cal. And, you know, basically what the blood-eyed man was going to do to him. Nothing that would hurt him yet. Um, but she knows that there are things, there are questions he's not going to want to answer. That are basically going to hurt more than any physical wound. They could give him. So she's like, I got to know where he is right now. I got to go save him. And Gisa says they took him to Barracks 1. Right. Is where they said they were taking him. Right. So, okay, easy enough. And then the last paragraph of the chapter is, 
As she opens the door to the mess, I look past her to the line of barracks marching toward the trees. Their numbers are clearly painted, black against sun-bleached concrete. Two, three, four, a sudden chill runs down my spine. There is no barracks one. (gasps) So where did they take Cal? Where is her swole cow being interrogated? And at. I think this is, she should have already figured this out by now, but with Shade telling her and her own realizations every five minutes that, oh, I underestimated the Scarlet Guard. Yeah. And with Shade telling her how they want to look weak, they're much bigger than you think. We are much more than you seem. There's so much, I think she's realizing just how much more there is, because there's levels of command. Why would she know? Why would they tell her where they're keeping exactly the foreign enemy... Whom she know he they know she has some interactions with. Why would they want her anywhere near him? Mm-hmm. Strategically speaking, that would be stupid. Yep, they've tried to escape at every turn together. Right, you know, sticking together, trying to get away. They have no reason to believe that that's not the first thing that she would do. Is immediately try to leave. Correct with Cal. It's a it's a, it's if it's a possibility, it's one they can't allow to happen. Yeah. And so that's where chapter five ends. So it's a little short on the actual stuff that happens, but I want to take this time guys to talk about how we feel about where everybody is at, at this point in the book. Do you feel like we're on a hopeful precipice? You know, that, that mayor is ready to embark on this adventure or do we feel like this is still just a ragtag group of soldiers and they're not going to be able to pull this off? I mean, How do you feel about where we stand at the end of Chapter 5? Clearly, the Scarlet Guard as a whole is not just a ragtag group of soldiers. However, I think with specifically Mare's plan, it's not looking the best for specifically what she wants to do. Right. I think from Mare's point of view, she's probably seeing it as... Right. With the lack we of... We've got to go find these new bloods, and no one seems to interest it except Farley, but she's no longer even in charge. Right. So. The lack of influence Mare has. Uh, Farley's no longer a captain, so she has no sway. It's not looking great for her plan, unless you can convince the colonel that it's what's best. And that's not going to be easy. Right. I think she's still got a pretty good argument. And I think that even though Farley was a failed captain in execution of a plan, I think in the forming of plans, Farley is still going to be valuable. Yes. And the colonel would still realize that strategically... Farley is a great brain to have around. Yeah. Well, and and Mare will obviously make herself be known that way as well. Right. I mean, they have to know that already. It's not just the... Um, it's not just the... I don't think it's that Farley's not necessarily good at pulling the plans off specifically. Right. It's just, I mean, Maven did play them. And they got and she's very young still. Right. right. But it was she also made one sh- mistake. But it was also a shot worth taking. Yeah. Especially, and they still still they never see everyone moved. 
and they but they still think they're small. They still don't know the breadth of the Scarlet Guard, so the Silver Stone. Right. I think, I from Mary's point of view, she probably sees it as, oh, we need to. It's an uphill battle, but like you said, I, I have some good ideas, but I don't know if this red-eyed colonel is going to listen because he seems pretty do it my way. Yeah. Or, but I think from a reader's perspective, you got to feel a little more hopeful because you're seeing how much bigger the Scarlet Guard really is. You're like, okay, well, maybe this isn't, like you said, with this, and if she can get the new bloods, maybe this isn't out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. I don't, it just seems to me that the argument of finding the new bloods and trying to make this super powerful army before they fall into the hands of the silvers would be a logical conclusion for pretty much anybody. Right. Now, that could be because we've been doing a deep study of this book and this series, and, you know, that was so secured as the way to go in the last book. So, you know, we could obviously like have a little bit of confirmation bias from that, but it seems like if you can see how powerful Mare is, you can see how powerful Shade is, and you know that there is hundreds of other people out there like that, that are going to automatically have some bit of allegiance to you just simply because they're reds that don't want to be under silver rule anymore. Right. It seems like it would be, Especially, if I was looking at it from the colonel, it would be something that would be easy to keep Mare occupied, keep her out of your hair, be like, okay, give this hysterical woman her quest, let her go, give her somebody to keep an eye on her, and let her plan play itself out. Like, all of her other plans have failed. If this one fails and she dies, then oh well. You know what I mean? Right. Then she's out of your hair. Yeah. She it, died. It's like, it's a, it's a fairly simple mission that she wants to go on. Why not just let her go on it? Does, but does, do we even know if the colonel for sure knows about the list? He gave, she, Farley has it. Has Farley even given it? But did Farley give it, right. it to him? Has it gone past Farley at this point? We don't even know. So she doesn't even know. If the colonel's aware at this point, maybe she's also thinking, well, he may not even know. So if I did, if I tell him, he'll be like, oh, that's a great idea. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Because I don't even know if she knows if he knows about them yet. Because Farley's, that's true. as far exactly. as she knows, the list got to Farley. That's it. And that's as far as it went. Exactly. Yeah. So, I think the, the New Bloods will owe a little bit of just automatic allegiance also because if the alternative is explained, like you come with us or this, they're probably going to go with the Scarlet Card on that one. Because mm-hmm. the alternative can't be good. Right, the alternative is the Silvers are going to come and kill you. Exactly. Right. right. I mean, that's it's what's happening. I mean, it may not be that they can easily make people understand that, but that's what's going to happen. Right. Right. Because they're they're going to be under fire either way, so it's it would be better to have them as assets in your control than as assets under Alara's control, right? And Maven's control, right? And militarily speaking, everyone's like, "Well, that seems cold." Well, yeah, but it's war, right? You need that advantage, and the other 
the other side is going to go and try to negate that advantage, why wouldn't you go and get it while you can? Right. So it's all just hinging on whether or not she can convince the colonel that this is a worthy mission. Right. She does have, you know, all of the people from the Scarlet Guard so far, you know, she does have some people in her corner if she can get those people to, like, go to bat for her. Right. You know, she does have the possibility. The other thing that I wanted to discuss with you guys is there's a line where she's talking about, she's talking about Bree and how he seems so much different than the boy that he was when he left. You know, she was barely a teenager when he left and he went to go fight in this war and he's been fighting for five years. And now he has been removed from that front line and sent to his family on the surface. But underneath, she says, he's traded one war for another. So he's been relieved of one battle and forced into another one. So what I wanted to talk about was the mindset of your average red at this point in time. Like they've been saved from being conscripted and going and fighting in the Lakelander war, but they have to live this nomadic, constantly on the run existence. So they've traded one war of, you know, the fear of being sent to the silver war for fighting. Everybody basically is fighting, whether they're actually fighting or not. They're all banded together, you know, in solidarity. So how, how do you think the feeling is with, the people that are there on the base. Depends on who they are. Right. I guess it would depend if on someone the... who's probably been conscripted and been to war for a year or two or more, they're probably ready to fight for something they actually believe in. Yeah. Somebody like Bree, like right. is he coming he's coming he's back. Shade. Yeah. Yeah. Shade. They're they're willing to do things like partially sell out their sister, keep things secret from her, you know, all of these things to fight this battle is the cause worth it you know is this is this a noble enough cause for them to do things that they thought only silvers did before well such as i mean um, what are you talking about though specifically the lies the secrecy you know, the hierarchies, things like that, that weren't really a part of, seemingly a part of red life before. Right. But, I mean, maybe they understand from having been in war and been working under commanders and captains that at some point, everybody in the, everybody can't know everything because then it becomes dangerous, right? There's right. certain things you can't let everybody know. So, I mean, that's, I guess, when you're someone who's a soldier like that, you have to decide for yourself whether what you're doing is actually right. Because people who fought in the war for the Silvers had no choice. It wasn't. Right. They were, it wasn't about they have a choice. These people do. I mean, they don't have to join the Scarlet Guard. 
Yeah, but where did all those reds that Maven used came from? You know, where he rounded them up from somewhere. They were serving. So the ones that are still there that didn't leave to go fight with the guard, they're going to be used still as pawns in the Silver War. Right. That war, them being under the Silver Thumb is not going to stop unless they join the guard. You know what I mean? Unless they, unless it's either fight for the Silvers and don't advance the status of your people at all or give up your life and follow the Scarlet Guard and have some chance of your people being free and rising up. I think you just said it right there. I mean, that pretty much says it all. I think... You gotta remember... Oh, go ahead. If I... If it were me in this situation, I would probably say that at least trying to fight against it is better than maybe having a slightly easier life, but still always being scared. Well, yeah, that... I mean, look at the... I think the fight is worth having a more difficult life. Right. Let's look at the life that they had, though. Right. I mean, it's not like they had much. And then you look at, like, the techies who live in that one little square area and have, like, no... Their life expectancy is nothing. I mean, they, yeah. they don't have lives, really. They... they and it's been this way for so long, they don't know what it's like to not be where they are. They don't right. understand how much they don't they're missing live, if they weren't they under thumb. Right. So it's kind of hard because they don't understand fully what it would be like without the Silvers. Yeah. What actual freedom would be like. But, I mean, yeah, they don't have a choice. Yeah, it's either one or the other. Yeah. But I think a lot of, I guess, I mean, I think most would probably, at least if you're fighting for something, you're fighting to end it so that the yeah the, your future doesn't have to deal with this. You're choosing to fight for what you care about instead of right. what you're forced to care about. Right. Right. Your life may be a little easier if you go the other way. But, yeah, for the future of your family, your kids, your grandkids, your great-grandkids, what kind of future right. are you leaving right. for them? Do you want them to grow up knowing that they're probably going to go get conscripted and have a big, a large chance of dying? Yeah, right. and just be another body on a pile. Right, or do you want them to have an opportunity? Are you willing to say, no, I'm going to fight for this because then at least they'll right. have an opportunity yeah. to do something different? I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for the future generations. Right. So, but yeah, I, I mean, they definitely are, don't have a choice as to who they're, as to fighting, because it is either one. You're going to be forced to fight if you right. don't do anything, or do you choose to fight against it? So. Yeah, but I think it would be better to fight in something you believe in or fight to end your oppression. Oh, for sure. But again, you've got again you've got the Lakelanders and your Nortons, and they don't they're not supposed to get along, even though the Reds have no reason not to, other than the fact that they've been forced to fight each other for yeah. a century. So, so this it's kind was, of an odd dynamic. <clears throat> Excuse me. This was something that Mare had talked about relatively early in the first book was the possibility of Reds in other countries rising up and joining this. Right. And she, I think she's realizing it's already happened. Yeah. She's yeah. like, oh, man, this is already going on. You know, there's there's things that I feel like 
like I said earlier, we're on the precipice of something so huge that so many of these people never had the opportunity to even imagine they would be a part of. Correct. So many people who didn't have a purpose, who didn't have anything in their life going on other than just existing from day to day. Now they have something that is actually worth putting their energy towards and their own freedom, but they have to be in this, uh, still controlled environment. It's very much like when Katniss went to district 13 Mm -hmm. in the hunger games. And she realized real early on that things weren't right in district 13, that they were just trading one captivity for another, you know, everybody in district 13 was the same thing. Every had, everything had to be the same. They all wore the same clothes. They kept to their schedules. You know, it was so regimented she was like, hey, this is not cool. You know, now this is a different situation. It seems like the guard allows you to live your life a little bit more. You know, right. you're kind of, the families are left to still be families. Right. Doesn't seem like they're taking anybody that no. doesn't want to fight. There no. are plenty of people that want to go fight. But there are families that have basically traded one form of captivity for another, just yeah. at the chance of having that freedom at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's a chance worth taking. Yeah, it's a, it's just an interesting part in, you know, where we're at in the book. You know, early on, we've come off of all of this stuff from the first book, downer, 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 stopped at every turn, you know, but now finally, if the colonel can be a piece in play that we could finally have something that's real and, you know, true and helpful to these people. Right. Yeah. And I think if you've grown up until you're, was it 17? Did you get scripted? 18. You've grown up your whole life knowing that you don't have a specific skill, which only a few do, and that you're going to go to war. And that you're probably going to die in a few years. And then you go and you're in that war for several years. And then you have an opportunity. Someone says, we're going to take you. We're going to fight against them instead. You look back on that life. That's probably a a no-brainer. Heck yeah. I'm going to go and fight against the Silvers instead of fighting against other Reds for their war. Because they all know. All the Reds that are going to war know it's not their war. Yeah. So, to me, I think in that position that most people who are in the, who have been conscripted on either side, they have that opportunity to run away and choose to fight against the Silvers instead are going to jump at that. I really do. I don't think it's a, it's going to be rough for them at all. The refugees, the families, as you said, that's going to be different because that's where the struggle starts because the Silvers will go after the families. Oh, yeah, 100%. And... So they have to be, like you said, still together, but not in their homes. They don't have anything more than they did. Not necessarily a whole lot less, most of them, honestly. But, yeah, it's an odd dynamic. And then you throw in the fact that there's differing reds, groups of differing reds, all of whom supposedly are at war with each other, coexisting on this island. Yeah. It's kind of an odd juxtaposition. It's got to be super confusing for Mare. Right, especially for someone who does... Like some of these 
soldiers probably know have known this for a little while and come to terms with it. But a lot of the refugees, a lot of people who are probably just getting there are like, what? Yeah. What's going on? What's this on? all about? Cool. That was a great discussion. Thank you guys for entertaining my yeah. silly questions. Yeah, good, good discussion topics. <laughs> I like it. I so like last it. week we uh, we teased a new uh, twist on fan art for this week. Yes. And I'm super excited to feature this account. Instead of just one fan art this week, I'm going to feature a whole account. Uh, everybody who is a Red Queen fan on Instagram, stop what you're doing after this podcast is over. It's There's only a few minutes left, I promise. So just <laughs> listen to us do our spiel. And then... <laughs> Get your phone and go to Instagram and search for Red Queen News. All one word, just like an Instagram tag, Red Queen News. It is a huge Red Queen fan who is doing costume designs that she wants to see in the Peacock special. And they are epic. So everybody go check out Red Queen News on Instagram. I'm going to show Greg and Mia some of the stuff that this person has done yeah. and how awesome it is. Yeah, I'm yeah, excited see to this. see these. We talked about it, but you didn't actually show them to us Yeah, yet. we haven't seen it yet, have we? No. Oh, are you going to be able to throw any of those up? Uh, I'll double check with the with the author and make sure. See if we can get the right to, to Yeah, just to something. be, to let us mm-hmm. use some of them because they are so cool. So this is the female red uh, Scarlet Guard mm-hmm. uniform. Yeah. Let me see that again. Was that what Farley would be wearing? Yeah, be what Farley and other yeah. So other go females ahead and picture would be wearing. Natalie Dormer in that. Doing yeah. it right now. And then also try picturing Maya Hawk in it. I could picture Maya Hawk in that as well. Yeah. This is the uh, Alara one. Oh, I dig that. Oh, that is cool. Super cool, right? That would look really good on Emily Beecham. <laughs> it would. That'd be so epic. And this one um, was just posted yesterday. Um, this is Evangeline. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we, next week will be, um, well, next week where we're recording, you guys will have already heard it by the time this episode comes out. But um, as we're recording this episode, the second part of the fantastic uh, episode has not been released to the feed yet, so I don't really right. want to talk about who we have playing Evangeline, who our cast members were. We have two really good. We ones, have two really good ones. Yeah, and I could see both of them in that outfit, rocking the snot out mm-hmm. of that outfit, 100%. and then there being one that's a very close modification that she wears into battle. You know, yes. that's pants. Like the outer part will come off and they'll be mm-hmm. like pants, you that's know, awesome. for her to yeah. fight in. Yeah. Super cool. So everybody go check out uh, our Instagram. Um, I'm praying that Red Queen News will let us link to uh, to them all. At the very least, I'll give them a shout out in this week's right. show notes. If, if they don't let us uh, share any of their art, I'll at least give the account a shout, shout out, out because it's it's a great follow if you're a fan of the series it's really cool to get visuals like this and help put on you know just another layer of imagery for that so head over to uh first red queen news on instagram mm-hmm. give them a follow then immediately go to our page 
If you guys aren't already following us, which what's wrong with you? <laughs> you should already be following us. Just kidding. You've uh, made it this far. You've made it this two. far. Uh, our Instagram is reading with the Rockefellers. We're super active over there. Come over and give us a follow and say hi. Uh, you can email us. We love to take fan art. We love to take fan casting suggestions. Um, give us some for Red Queen, your main characters that we may not have uh, ideas we may not have hit on. Send us your ones for Glass Sword because we will be doing an episode at the end of this book as well. Another fan yes. casting episode because we'll have lots of new characters. One we've already teased at, which mm-hmm. like like we've said before, I don't think we're going to be able to keep the actor. Nope. Although, uh, I don't think we're going to be able to keep his name out just of this. Know, but, it's going to take something real impressive for the colonel for it to like make it into our brains. For anybody so. that's not who we've already picked? Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. You, you gotta, like... There'll but you guys can still, you can still try to still try. There's probably be some good ones, but... Because there were a couple... There was one or two that... Just know you're... The competition is stiff. It's, they it's gave, stiff. They gave Timothy Chalamet a run for his money, but he's still ultimately... That's true. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, so email us. It is readingwiththerockefellers at gmail.com. Um, like you said, like I said, fan casting, casting ideas... Uh, fan art, all that kind of stuff. We love that. Uh, our YouTube channel has all of the videos that Mia makes of our episodes, and our quiz show episode is available on YouTube as well. Yes, that it's not channel, the best, but it exists. It exists. It was fun. We had a really good time doing it, kind of in the middle of our before all the COVID. Who just, even knows? Uh, but that was awesome. So keep your eye on that. Go to our YouTube channel, Reading with the Rockefellers. Make sure you subscribe and uh, click the notification bell so you get notified every time we upload a video. And then our website, where all of our episodes are, our blog, pictures, is readingwiththerockefellers.com. So you can find all of that stuff there and all of our fan art and then links to all of the cool Instagram accounts where you can get all of your awesome Red Queen fan art and Red Queen news now. Or, as Johnny Lawrence would say, www. reading with the Rockefellers. com. Yes, exactly. Love Cobra Kai. Throw one of those hash browns. Throw one of those hash browns, exactly. Hash brown Red Queen. So thank you guys so much. It has been such an honor hanging out with you. We are really loving Glass Sword so far, and we hope you guys are too. Mm-hmm. And loving in air quotes. I mean... It's a great book. But it's, it's a great book. I mean, yeah. It's just depressing. It's depressing, but I like. I mean, I, I don't think at the beginning, at where we were right now in Red Queen, I don't think we could have had this level of discussion. No. So this book definitely pops off sooner, you know. Well, I mean, the world's already built. That's so true. So you don't need the first few chapters to be like world building and right. like character development right. for the main characters because we already true. have that. That's true. So next week we will be back with another discussion episode and we will see you all then. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.